everyone knows that confidence is everything. You simply won't get far without it. And it's not only in football, but with anything else in life. It's why Penske gives you as much confidence as possible when you're moving. How does Penske do that? They do it by offering newer, cleaner, and safer trucks so that whether you're moving across the country or even just across town, Penske Truck Rental will help you move with confidence. So check them out so that you can get the newest, cleanest, and safest trucks to help you move at Penske Truck Rental. Welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. And welcome back to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. I am Chip Patterson. That's Barton Simmons. It's Wednesday's show, so happy Wednesday to you, Barton. Um, how how we feeling right now? Our thanks, by the way, to Stanford Steve. That was a very fun episode. Um, if you haven't listened to it yet, go back and subscribe, review, rate, five stars, because we think you're a five-star listener. How are we doing, Barton? We are doing great, Chip. We are... Um just a little under uh, 24 hours away or a little maybe over 24 hours away from the start of the college football weekend. And I got to tell you, man, this is my, what are we week? This is week, week four. four. Yeah. This is by far my favorite weekend so far. Really? And I love this slate of games. I, I th- like there's games every, like I, head's going to be on a swivel this weekend because look, I know that there's not quite the, what's our best high, profile matchups we got stanford oregon iowa wisconsin iowa wisconsin and like in, in the top 25 that's about it alabama texas a&m but i'm just telling you from a like from an interest standpoint i'm just gonna like kind of word vomit all of this now florida atlantic ucf fascinating group of five prolific offense game washington state usc friday night game Struggling USC program, always upset my Washington State. Okay, great. Now we go to Saturday. Notre Dame-Wake Forest, I think, is going to be a really good matchup. I think that's those are evenly matched teams in a lot of ways. Missouri-Georgia, we get to find out if Missouri is the, is the real deal or not. Nebraska-Michigan, like I've said from the beginning, Nebraska is going to upset someone. Is this the time? Boston College-Purdue. Purdue has lost three games by a total of like six points, and now they have BC coming to town. Uh you know, Buffalo Rutgers. Like, I kind of like this. I, I'm kind of interested in that game. Maryland, Minnesota. I'm just going down the line, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll spare just sort of re- rattling off every game. But the, the gist of it is, is, like, to me, there are so many evenly matched games. Right. Like, there's so many. Like, Tennessee, Florida, who cares, right? But it's they're evenly matched. Like, they're two teams. Like, it's fascinating to see which of these teams is really actually decent, which is really actually bad. Like Michigan State, Indiana. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm very interested to see if Michigan State is, is in fact a top 25 team because I think Indiana is capable of beating them if they're not. Uh, I just think this is going to be a really entertaining weekend, if you know, as long as you don't aren't sort of 
required to have some sort of a high profile juggernaut showdown. TCU, Texas, you add to that list as well uh, as something that'll get you excited. Mississippi State gets tested at Kentucky, uh, UConn and Syracuse. Yeah, we've got it all. Even like Louisiana Tech, LSU, like La Tech, this is catching LSU off of a big win. Like La Tech has got some talent uh, in states. I mean, that's just, it's just interesting. Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, like that could be a just absolute shootout. Um, I, I'm just all up and down this, this list of games. Like there's, there's like five games in every time slot that I'm really interested to watch. And, uh, you know, and, and I would think a week like this maybe is we're, we're due for some upsets along the way too. But I, I just think this is a, a really interesting group of games and so I am I'm psyched, man. I'm ready for it. Let me add another one to that that uh, you didn't mention, South Carolina and Vanderbilt. I was just looking at it. That's a great game. Like that's a really interesting game because Vanderbilt now is, you know, is we're, we're in this place right now where we don't know what, to, what, what our eyes are telling us. Is, right. is, is Notre Dame not that good or is Vanderbilt pretty good? Is South Carolina really the second best team in the East or is it – Anyone, any number of the others. You know, I think is the best team in the East. Is my it, hunch is the best team in the East. Kentucky. Kinda, yeah, we kind of. I, I kind of alluded to it, and uh, with with Steve, but I think Kentucky may be. And again, that's another one. If they are, we'll find out this weekend because they'll they'll play Mississippi State really close, or they'll beat them. Um, so I just think this is a fun weekend of games. Loyal, loyal listeners of the podcast have. They've had to have picked up on your Kentucky. It's right. been <laughs> it's been slowly growing. Like if if we were to continue at a linear rate of growth for your enthusiasm for the Kentucky football program, you're just decked out in Big Blue Nation gear by December. I know. Thank God I didn't like get on this Kentucky train back in like June cuz then we'd be coming into this year and I would just be off the rails at this point. But I, here's part of like I think Mississippi State Kentucky is as exciting as any of these games this weekend because one of the things I really like about those teams is they they strike me as like as all these teams come in as these new coaches come in whether it's Jeremy Pruitt or Dan Mullen or Chad Morris or you know in the SEC there's all these new influx of coaches and they're all trying to you know culturally shift the program well. I think Joe Moorhead inherited a program that was already really tough mentally and physically, just a really edgy program. And, and, and I think that Kentucky, they've got like eight senior starters on defense like that. And they're, they've got an offense that is just their whole identity is just mash you and, and run the football. And I just think those are two tough teams that have the culture in place already and so I don't know who's going to win, and Mississippi State may blow them out, and maybe I'll, you know, it'll all be wrong. But I think my hunch is that those that's going to be a fun game because it's going to be a blue collar, hard nosed, really aggressive, intense type of football game, and uh, those are the best kind, right? What does your gut say about South Carolina Vanderbilt? Like, because you said like, what, are our eyes playing tricks on us? And I I agree with you because I think that some of the Notre Dame Vanderbilt game being close to me was no surprise at all. Vanderbilt has a very good, solid, well-coached defense. Shermer's good enough to make enough plays to keep you in the game. But ultimately, this was going to be a game that was decided by Notre Dame's elite unit, its defense coming up with stops. So I, 
in while everyone in the Auburn press box was kind of like, you know, neck craned to the left to the TV that was on the wall trying to see what was going to happen at the end of this game, I felt pretty confident Notre Dame was going to pull it out. But that said, Vanderbilt now has a South Carolina team coming, which I would argue has a more dynamic offense than Notre Dame, but uh, maybe not as strong defensively. Yeah, I don't know if I don't think I I don't feel good enough right now. The point spreads at two. It is not going to be a lock on my sheet, so I don't know if we'll get to it. But do you have a, a sense here of what you're looking at? Yeah, no, I, I yeah, that will not be one that I will be breaking down tomorrow on the Locks podcast because I don't know. I don't. I don't. Um, had I don't trust Vanderbilt, but I'm I am willing to acknowledge that this might be a pretty dang good football team. Um, it, what it feels like. Because this is the way the Vanderbilt South Carolina series has gone lately. Is it feels like Vanderbilt will be the better team, and then South Carolina will, or you know, have play a really good game, and then South Carolina makes makes the plays late that count and pull away and win by like seven. But I just don't. I think that just like the rest of the East, I think that these two teams we don't know a lot. We don't really know who they are. And they seem to be pretty evenly matched. So I'm, I am, you know, I'm, I'm pretty scared to to play it. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in seeing what happens instead. Uh, speaking of Vanderbilt and that Notre Dame game, we've got a little bit of a uh, little bit of talk, talk coming out of that game. Uh, it Brian Kelly took a lot of issue to the way that uh, he was, the way that Vanderbilt was playing. Uh, speaking specifically about uh, Fighting Irish tight end Elise Mack, he said he was getting cut maliciously by their, Vanderbilt's, defensive end. That's bad football. It's legal, but it's bad football. It's just bad football, and I have no problem saying it. You know, we're so concerned about frontal cuts, and we've got a defensive end chopping him on every single play, and he hung in there, was digging out, blocking in line. None of that stuff people see, but that's what gets you to the next level. Not all this, you know, throw me the ball, catch me the ball. Certainly we know his physical ability of catching the ball, but I'll give that film to any NFL scout and show him what he can do. So he's got compliments for Mac, but he's also got criticism for Derek Mason and this Vanderbilt defense. And uh, Derek Mason responds. I don't really care much about Brian Kelly's comments about football. When you go back and watch that game from the holding to the post chops by Notre Dame, I thought it was bad football on their part. What it comes down to is the game gets played on the football field. Nowadays, we're asking defensive players to raise the target, lower the target, hit with their eyes up. All of these things are really a part of football. So Brian Kelly can take his comments and keep moving. If he's got something personal with me, he can come see me. <laughs> I didn't see. I didn't hear that whole Derek Mason quote, man. Oh, yeah. That's coming strong. Mason came right back. It's awesome. Wow. Uh, I just heard the one like, you know, Brian Kelly can take that comment and keep moving. The the last part there was that was going hard in the paint there. Uh, <laughs> okay, so <laughs> you're a little bit taken back by your boys. Just I mean, I'm not. That's I mean, I'm not necessarily surprised. That's sort right. of like I feel like Mason. Like if you're gonna come at Mason, like he's gonna take that opportunity to sort of bow up. Um, and I, I'm, I'm sort of on Mason's side on this one, I think. The, I, Cole Kubelik tweeted out some of the clicks, the, 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 the blocks, or not the blocks, but the, uh, the plays were at it, that were at issue. And I don't know, man. Like maybe I need to read up on the rules. Maybe I need to be a little bit 
better educated on on sort of what the new restrictions or guidelines or points of emphasis are. But from my perspective, I mean that's the way I played. You know, if you got a pulling guard and you're and you're trying to squeeze, you know, squeeze the running lane, the way to do that isn't to just just throw your shoulder in there and, and I mean that you go cut them and you go you go you go submarine them and create a pile, create bodies, shut down that running lane and and maybe force the running back to bounce, uh, limit his space, limit his ability to 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 make a cut and I mean I I didn't see like they I mean they looked like sort of violent plays but they didn't to me look against the rules or dirty and again maybe I'm not read up yet on what is or isn't a legal or dirty play but I, I know that I've been watching plays like that and I've been trying to emulate plays like that forever um I remember uh Roy Williams, like when I was playing, um, I think it was against maybe Nebraska. Roy Williams came down from like his safety position. He was he was at Texas, and he came down from his safety position and cut the the uh, lead blocker and went right through his leg into the running back. And it was just it was just this like textbook play. And I don't know, like is is that not is that now illegal? So I, I don't I don't know where it stands on that front. All I know is if I was if, if I was Vanderbilt's defenders, I'd be doing the same thing. Number one, Derek Mason, defensive coach. As defensive coaches uh, are constantly having to re-coach and and teach the finer specifics of playing so that they're not uh, getting tackled. Of course, you know Derek Mason in his quote right there referencing the target zone. Uh, they're they're absolutely going to bow up. My question was. Do you think that this goes all the way back? Like, I wonder if uh, I wonder if this goes back to Notre Dame Stanford games. It's a good call. Like, I was like, I, I, w- I wonder if Brian Kelly has been really, re- really sort of ha- Derek Mason's gotten under his skin with some stuff like this before, and he was just taking a, a chance to go to go after him a little bit. But uh, Derek Mason's not having any of it at all. Yeah, d- yeah. Derek Mason almost is. I mean, Brian Kelly. It was. It's a little bit like, all right, I'm just going to be curmudgeonly coach, you know, mad about some some tough plays. But then Derek Mason took it to like, if if, if Brian Kelly's got something personal with me, he can come see me. Like that was almost like, all right, we like you guys don't understand our history, but we've been we've been text fighting for the last year, and and right. you know we're I'm fe- I'm fed up with. This nonsense or something like I, that, that I would be curious what the background is there because you're right like they do have a little bit of a history extending back to to Stanford Notre Dame that's a good call yeah it's like no he knows where I am like he he's got my number <laughs> let's go uh love that stuff okay but BK also stole an assistant from Derek Mason Todd Light was on Derek Mason's staff for one year maybe not even a year he may have been on the staff for like an off season wow. or like a couple months. And then, um, and then Notre Dame gave him the call and came back, but he's an alumnus. And so I can't imagine Derek Mason was too butthurt over that, but I'm trying to think if there's any other, uh, any other like staff cross pollination or anything. I've seen some of the most talented athletes fail because they lacked one essential ingredient and that's confidence. Confidence. 
Without it, everything else goes to waste, and it'll make or break pretty much any athlete or any college football team. Well, the same is true with life off the field, too, and it's especially true with moving. It's why Penske Truck Rentals arms their customers with as much confidence as possible to make their move successful, like offering newer and cleaner trucks that are among the safest on the road. Every truck undergoes a multi-point inspection, and you'll get unlimited miles on one-way rentals. So whether you're moving all the way across the country Country or just across town, Penske Truck Rental is there to help you move with confidence. And now it's time for Penske Truck Rentals Teams on the Move. Uh, and this time we are focusing on Boston College. Boston College came off a, a big high scoring win against Wake Forest to improve to 3 0. This week they are on the move and they are going to be playing at Purdue. And so as, as they sit atop, the ACC Atlantic, you know, they got that one conference win uh, as, as they sit there in first place. Uh, I will ask you, Barton, uh, at what point do you think Boston College, uh, would, now in the top 25, will be taken uh, as, a, as a threat to Clemson in the ACC Atlantic? Uh, I have Boston. I, I did uh, for, my, for the 24-7 sports college football facebook show shout out thursdays 11 30 central time 24 7 sports facebook page i'm doing a top 15 um ranking and i've got boston college 15th wow in that ranking i've got them ranked above notre dame and michigan wow um and i think like this team is it's not just it's not your granddaddy's boston college let's put it that way they still have those elements of being a really physical football team. They're still going to be able to run north-south at you. But they've got this new pass game dimension that's legit. Like, it's real. It's uh, Anthony Brown has looked sharp. He's got nine touchdowns and zero interceptions. Mm-hmm. You know, he's throwing for 200. He's throwing for what? Uh, I just had it pulled up. He is throwing for 208 yards a game, but that's just because that's all he had to do. Um, and they still have um, AJ Dillon, who is, I mean, as 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 imposing of a running back as you're going to find. So they've got this really impressive balance. They've got a defense that's it's not just the defensive front, which so sort of gets all the attention. Like their secondary is really athletic and fast. They flash all over the place. Lucas Dennis, Will Harris. I think that's one of the best safety combinations you have in the ACC. There's no question in the country. Wow, those guys, can, yeah. those guys can go. Um, and so I, I, I'm just a I'm a believer in this team. Now here's the here's the concern for Boston College is their special teams is hot garbage. <laughs> their punt games, their punt game sucks. And so you know that that's that is going to bite them. They're, there's going to be a game where they where they should win and they'll lose because their special teams is not getting it done. Um, but there's going to be a lot of games that BC is blowing teams out uh, that where they don't even need all that stuff. Um, I mean, they've got their record in their their past like twelve. They're like eight and three or something. Their past eleven or something like that. It's ever since uh, AJ Dillon was named the starting running back. Yeah. I think they're eight and two. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I'm I am a full-on believer in Boston College and they I'm just telling you the eye test tells me they they they've looked better than Notre Dame. And 
Notre Dame beat Michigan. Michigan hadn't played anybody else other than Notre Dame. I think it only makes sense that they're ranked higher than those teams for now. We'll see what happens the rest of the way, obviously. But for now, I think that they're what they put on the field is is impressive. Number two, two big takeaways for me. Number one, you had Anthony Brown is just stellar, and to think that uh, he is only a sophomore. Steve Adazio had some interesting comments about him back in July. You know, asking about Anthony Brown and his development, and Steve Adazio said. Anthony Brown is going to be one of the great four-year players in this conference, which is, uh, I guess you could look at it as a little bit backhanded. Like, I, you know, yeah. Steve, Steve Adazio thinking, like, I don't think that he's good enough to go pro after three years. Yeah, But it's also like his confidence in saying that if Anthony Brown's able to stay healthy and he continues to play, by the time he's a senior, he's going to be an ACC Player of the Year candidate, right? Yeah, that's, that's an odd thing to say. It's almost as like... Maybe it's just he's saying that from the perspective of somebody that hasn't had an NFL quarterback before and isn't even thinking in those terms. Because uh, you know he he's probably just saying it in the sense of started as a true or started as a freshman, and and so he's got that. Like that's gonna that, be he that, was that's a, he was saying that's our guy. Like no one's taking Anthony Brown's job from him. There are no right. open quarterback competitions. Right. But the other thing that makes Anthony Brown so good is that it's. Again, it's, this is not this old-school Boston College offense where they just run the rock and they, and they try to scheme open some tight ends and just move the chains. Like, Kobe White can go get it down the field. Like, that guy's got some serious speed. Jeff Smith is legit. Tommy Sweeney is one of the better tight ends in the country. And yeah. so he's got all these weapons and, and, and tools that – I, I, we're just not really used to seeing at Boston College, at least not this variety of them. And so, um, you know, I, I think it's it's. I mean, I'm looking right now at Boston College receiving stats. They've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys with a touchdown of 29 yards or longer. Like they've they they they're vertical threats. Um, and Anthony Brown's got the got the arm to get it to him. So BC's definitely uh, they're exciting right now. So Brown and Dylan, both sophomores, they're bo- they're like they're very close friends. They definitely know that they are the heart of this offense. And it's so fun to hear Dylan, who was the ACC Freshman of the Year last year and one of the best running backs in the conference, if not the best running back in the conference. It's so fun to see Dylan talk about Brown and say, "Yeah, teams load up the box." And I'm sitting back there just knowing that it's going to be a touchdown because if you sell out to stop Dylan, then yeah, like some of some of AJ Dylan's rushing numbers probably aren't going to match what he was on a per game basis as when he exploded onto the scene last year. But because Boston College has a well-rounded offense, it's because that pr- that production is going to the wide receivers and to Anthony Brown in the passing game. I mean, it's been it's been interesting. They made a, a conscious decision. Steve Adazio said. It was like between the regular season and the bowl game, not last year, but the year before, they said, all right, we we need to figure out a way to create more explosive plays. Your granddad's Boston College is not going to work. We can't just pound the rock. And it's been a slow process building to this. And I think what we're watching is all of those that planning finally coming to fruition. Uh, we're both on that BC over six, aren't we? There we are. 
Yeah. <laughs> there we are. Yeah. And that, get that has been Teams on the Move presented by Penske Truck Rental. Our thanks to Penske Truck Rental. Remember, they have the newest, cleanest trucks. They're safe on every road because every truck undergoes a multi-point inspection and you get unlimited miles on one-way rentals. So whether you're moving across the country or just across town, Penske Truck Rental helps you move with confidence. All right. This was a... Uh, a topic, what was it? I, I came out I, with a borderline hot take that Gary Patterson, Sonny Cumbie might be the best uh, offensive, de- defensive coaching tag team that there is in college football. I backed off of it. We had some interesting nominations from Twitter. Uh, we appreciate those as well. So I thought that it would be fun, Barton, if we just actually start talking this out and comparing some notes. So, uh, I do you want to go from one to five or do you want to ping pong it? I've got a couple. I've got a top six with a tie for fifth. And then I've got four pairs that I just want to discuss because I think they're interesting. All right. Let's start six to one on your list and break them. And, and, and I'll, I'll, I will chime in where I disagree. What's your, what's your number six? Uh, Justin Fuente, Bud Foster. Sounds like a fair spot for them. Uh, I think that Bud Foster is almost like he's he's hampered by his tenure because he's he's been around so long. He's not a sexy name anymore, but man, he's still really good. Uh, Justin Fuente is is almost the opposite. Like I think we're probably underestimating how good he is just because we haven't seen it at a at the the Power Five level for long enough. Right. Um. But that sounds like about the right spot for them. Um, I I have them in a tie with a pair that's very close to your heart, Joe Moorhead and Bob Shoot. You know that one's that one was a really interesting one. I didn't when I first ran through the list for my sort of top five that I jotted down. I didn't include them, but as the but the more I thought about it, the more I think that they that you're I like what you've got them. I think that that. It's a good spot for them because Joe Moorhead is certainly one of the top offensive minds. At least that's that seems to be the way things are tracking. And Bob Shoup, at every stop in his career, has been one of the top defensive coaches in the game, with the exception of the last two years at Tennessee. Right. And I just think that that was just a uh, a bad sort of personnel the, culture yeah, I mean, head coach all, like, all of it yeah, yeah just yeah. all of it. it was a bad decision by him to take that job right and and look he, he let's not sort of let him off the hook i mean they they they, they should have done better i think you can i think i i'm i am very open to giving him a mulligan for that uh for that stretch um Okay, so finally at four, I go Gary Patterson, Sonny Cumbie. I couldn't make okay. him. I couldn't make him go any higher than that. Uh, and it's because actually, I could I could have traded them out. My number three is not a head coach and a coordinator, but I think that speaks to what we've got. And you might know it's coming here, but the duo of Tony Elliott, Jeff Scott, and the elite defensive development and preparation that you get from Brent Venables. 
I, yeah, I think I, I went Clemson over TCU. I guess. I think that's a fair spot for them. I mean, look, let, let's. That's ultimately what's built Clemson. I, I give Dabo Sweeney all the credit in the world, but I think he's also hired really well, and I think that that's. I think that's fair. I think that that's fair to put him above. Because look, um, well, I don't know. Okay, so if you're starting a, a football team from scratch, who are you taking as your defensive as your defensive coach? You're the head coach, all right. You get a, you get to pick a coordinator. Do you would you take Gary Patterson? Or would you take Brent Venables? Mm. Would you take uh, uh, Sonny Cumbie or would you take? Um, Tony Elliott. I would take Sonny Cumbie. Scott. I would take Sonny Cumbie and Brent Venables. You would. You take Brent Venables over Gary Patterson. Mm, I don't know. That's so hard because he's been a head coach for so long. I know, but he's been. But the defense is always good. I, 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 I was leaning towards you, but I actually think that I'm not sure I, that I wouldn't take the TCU duo. Uh, but it's close. That's a really close one. Yeah. How, what do you think is the the Tony Elliott Jeff Scott future? Elliott's been the first one to get interviews or have his name start to surface in the coaching carousel. He seems to be the next guy up. Yeah. Uh, and whether that means East Carolina or, oh, I don't know, one of the, one of the Florida group of five jobs or I don't know what other, you know, it feels like he's the next guy up for one of those type of gigs. Um, and then Jeff Scott, gets the keys um but i I think the tony elliott's guy i mean look there's a reason all those guys stick around at clemson for a while he may never leave right venables has certainly had opportunity and he hadn't left so maybe 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 we shouldn't you know count him out just yet but uh i feel like he's gonna have opportunities i'll put it that way i have i still i haven't i forgot to take note but we got little venables on the team this year so brent stuck for at least three or four more seasons yeah, you know though, but like I've seen, I've seen some coaches leave with their son lately, on the team? with their sons leaving their sons behind. <laughs> <laughs> like that's not that is not unprecedented. That I'll is not that. the guarantee that you might have thought it might yeah. have been. Yeah, uh, there's it's, and like yeah, they'll they'll have walk ons on a team or I mean there there's it's happened in several instances lately. Uh, uh, so I, I, I I'm not going to put that past them. All right, so um, to recap real quick. My tie for fifth, Virginia Tech with Justin Fuente and Bud Foster, along with Mississippi State, which has Joe Moorhead and Bob Shoup. Uh, then I got Gary Patterson and Sonny Cumbie the, with TCU. Then we got Clemson, Tony Elliott, Jeff Scott, com- combined with Brent Venables. My number two, Jim Chaney, paired with Kirby Smart and Mel Tucker. Yeah. And I probably yeah. am giving some Sam Pittman love, too. Because we've seen the Jim Chaney Sam Pittman combo work at Arkansas recently as well, and I just I I think that there is on Georgia more than a lot of teams there is an identity. Sort of a a, a Jim Chaney rebirth at Georgia. He had he had lost a little bit of uh, I don't know like it, at I, I mean I guess they had some success at Arkansas and then he goes I mean they were successful in at off an offense at Pitt and. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Like he, for whatever reason, he hasn't been the sexy name. But 
I agree with you. I think you got to put him up there, whether he's number two. That I don't know. Probably. I think you're probably right. I think I'd probably agree with you. Um, and and certainly Kirby Smart. I mean, he, we would have put him on that list if he was at Alabama. I think we definitely put him on this list at Georgia. So I, I think I'm I think I'm on board with this so far. Okay, and my number one is Ohio State, and it's just unfair. Urban Meyer slash Ryan Day, Greg Schiano slash Alex Grinch. I mean, there's just there there is no shortage of names that I trust in terms of the offensive and the defensive pair. And unlike what you might have at Michigan, where it's a lot of names, I just have more proof that all of it is working. Like at, at Michigan, we've got Pep Hamilton, Jim McElwain, Jim Harbaugh himself. Don Brown is one of my favorite defensive coordinators of all time, but I did not even put Michigan in my top five based on the offensive product on the field. Can't do it. I'm with you. Based on, yes, based on name recognition, you got, I mean, Michigan would be number one almost. Yeah. But, but they're, they haven't got it done. Um, You could probably make a case that if Grinch had stayed at Washington State, you could probably make a case a Grinch Mike Leach duo is a top three or four du- pairing. Agree. Uh, and now he goes to Ohio State and he's a, he's a co coordinator. <laughs> and you didn't even mention Kevin Wilson too, yeah. who was a uh, was the OC at, at Oklahoma and then head coach at Indiana, and now he's just one of the guys. So yeah, that that's a that's as loaded as it gets. Now I can't remember if we've talked about this chip, but I do wonder if. Um, like part of me thinks that that Ohio State's, you know, Ur- I'm not sure it's a, it might have been addition by subtraction with Urban Meyer out of the kitchen for the last three weeks, um, with just not quite as that offense is not quite as clinched up, um, but I, regardless, I mean, he's his his track record speaks for itself. Yeah, it was uh, like that again. I just think that. When you are getting Urban Meyer back, mm, are you so? Are you yeah, saying? Yeah, we have. Well, it, yeah, we we talked about this yesterday. Yeah. Didn't we? So yeah, so no need to rehash. No need to rehash that. But this is regardless of the fact. Like this is a this is a loaded group. Now the the one you didn't discuss that I think is probably a top two or three group is Mike Elko, Jimbo Fisher. Mm. Is that a, is that an oversight or are you going to, are you going to make a stand on this podcast and say they're a top, they're outside of your top six. I'm almost tempted to put them with uh, Dan Mullen and Todd Grantham in this other bucket that I wanted to discuss, which is I know the individuals, but I think that we are still, uh, too early in the process to to really feel confident saying that like Jimbo Fisher, Mike Elko in a couple years could end up being Michigan where you say, yeah, I mean, the numbers, the, the names are great, but I'm just not agreeing with the product. And what we've seen obviously from the Clemson game is an early sign that things offensively particularly are going very well. But I, I've got, I've got, I'll put that in the same one with Dan Mullen, who I think is a great offensive mind, Todd Grantham, who's put together nasty defenses at times throughout his tenure, 
And then how about this one for another uh, jury still out? Mario Cristobal and Jim Levitt. Uh, yeah, I mean, Jim Levitt, like, I think the jury – I uh, are you going to say that the Oregon offensive staff and Jim Levitt is in the same uncertainty bucket as Mike Elko, Jimbo Fisher? That is unfair. That is – you are <laughs> – this is some blasphemous stuff you're throwing out on this pod. <laughs> I know, and this is a Mike Elko-friendly podcast. That's what I'm saying. When, when, when was the last – I mean, look, I, Elko's been pretty – steady eddie here for the past eight years or so at, whether it's a bowling green wake or notre dame and they've they're off to a pretty solid start at a&m and i think if you're going to say that that jimbo fisher lost his fastball last year i get it but hey that was a pretty impressive debut of kellen mond against clemson the other week um and so i i've i've got a hard time leaving them out of my top three i like that i'll I, i'll uh I don't, I don't have a strong counter to that i the, you know the dan mullen todd grantham one like that one's even i like, got i think you could certainly make a case for them as well but the todd grantham deal I, you know he had a really good run what one year run at else at uh, louisville he had a good one year run at mississippi state before that he had hit on a little bit bit of there's a, a little doubt in the Todd Grantham camp um with Georgia know, he was what's that with Georgia yeah I think did, I mean didn't he sort of leave some people unsatisfied at Georgia oh bro Georgia fans can't stand him yeah I mean that's a that was a that's a that's a red mark <laughs> um you know and then so then he, what so he had a then he had you know kind of a revival at Louisville and Mississippi State's he had a good he had a good year, um, so I think that he's. I, I need like one more year, maybe two more years, to make sure that he's sort of really back. Uh, because look, there, I think there was some, like John Chavis, like like he's a little he's got a little John Chavis in him in the sense that all right, like when John Chavis went to to A and M, there was an immediate boost. They the defense looked better. And then it just felt like Chavis was asleep at the wheel a little bit towards the end of that tenure. And now I'm not convinced he's like the right guy at Arkansas. And I'm, I'm not saying that's Grantham, but I, I want to make sure that Grantham doesn't go down that path. I mean, he's he's you know, he's he's a little bit he's getting a little long in the tooth. So is that is is Todd Grantham almost like a Kevin Steele in that sense with Gus Malzahn and Kevin Steele, who I did not include on my list, though at times. Kevin Steele's defenses have been really, really good. And Gus Malzahn, with the right personnel, certainly has put out the the Auburn offense. I thought you put this really well. Uh, but, you know, like an Auburn offense that is scary and intimidating. Do you think the Auburn offense is scary and intimidating? Not right now. Yeah, I don't either. I just, I'm, I'm a little bit, I've got a bad taste. I've got a bad Gus taste in my mouth right now that uh, I can't, I can't, I can't get out. What about and Kevin? Kevin Steele too, like he's had some, he's had some, he's had a little bit of an up and down career. Um, so he's not bulletproof. He's good, but he's not bulletproof. Like I, I think some of the guys that we've got in our top five are. Okay, Jimbo and Mike Elko deserve a spot in there. That's fair. That might have been an oversight. <laughs> Are right, you good? You know, we'll we'll be able to keep you on the pod. All right. Uh, <laughs> what about this one? This is another like 
name recognition. Uh, I thought that it Tom Herman, Todd Orlando, certainly in yeah. a vacuum, yeah. you, you would think is among the best in the country. Again, I go back to the product that is on the field is not worthy of top five or maybe even top ten consideration. Well, it's a it's a Herman deal. I think Todd Grantham is 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 worthy of being on the list. It's a Herman deal, and I think Herman, if he's a coordinator, if he's just the offensive coordinator, that two those two are are probably on the list. But he's not yet proven or shown that he's got the versatility to be a head coach offensive guru uh which is just that's not a necessarily a knock on him it's just the reality of how big that job is at texas and so i think until we see some real strides offensively it's hard to put those two on the list because right now it's like how much is 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 tom herman really involved in the offense yeah. You, know, you go to Mississippi State and you just you know it's Joe Moore's offense. You don't even have an offensive coordinator. He said, "I'm the offense." Like you, you even ask him who the offensive coordinator is. I think at his press conference, like the question was, are, "You know, are you going to have hire an offensive coordinator?" And he said, "We'll have uh, uh, the coordinator title, but I'm going to be running the offense." <laughs> <laughs> so all right, <laughs> got it. <laughs> That's what Gary Patterson does, right? Does yeah, yeah. Den- uh, I think I think, I think so. Dennis Dodd said on here that it practice. He's like he just looks at Sonny Cumbie and he's like, "All right, you got the offense," and then he just runs over and coaches the defense. Yeah. Um, all right, another one that I wanted to throw out, where it's like the names are the names that you, me, and college football writers and analysts always throw out. Dana Holgerson, Tony Gibson. Right, and yet, how much is that is Dana Holgerson's offense right now? Like that's that's a good one. I, I thought about that one. And Tony Gibson, I think, is the, is the real deal. And they look they look a little back defensively this year so far. At least they did against Tennessee. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I didn't have a lot of conviction with that one. I, I just sort of respected the, the unit. I think uh, – and then one I was thinking about, because I really like Jimmy Lake and I like Washington's defensive staff, but I cannot say with confidence that Chris Peterson represents – an. Is, was Chris Peterson an OC? Was he a defensive coordinator? I think Man, Peterson's an offensive guy. Um, but I don't, I don't know if I'm going to put Washington out there without Jonathan Smith. And you made this point. It's possible that that offense has taken a little bit of a step back or at least has not yet found its footing since Smith's departure. Yeah, you can't, you can't put them on there right now until, until they prove it. Bush Hamden's got to prove it, uh, and I think Jimmy Lake. To me, Jimmy Lake is 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 worth, you know, worthy of, of being on the list. I, we just don't really know what the, his offensive counterpart looks like yet. One that I, w- I was interested in too, Wisconsin with Paul Christ, Jim and and Jim Leonard is worth considering. Now again, we're just in year two with Jim Leonard, and they just lost to BYU, um, but they didn't exactly like get run out of the building defensively. And they lost a lot on the unit, so I think they're probably that, that may be an overlooked pair, and probably deserve to be on. But there's a there's a limited body of work right now with Jim Leonard. If you're throwing um, Dave Aranda in there next to Paul Christ, you know that's that's a potential top three type of pair, probably. Yeah, but I'm not putting Steve Ensminger and Dave Aranda on there. 
Not yet, but old Steve, man, he's getting it rolling. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> we'll see. What, we'll see what we're talking about by the end of the year. But yeah, yeah. I, I, but I'm with you. Uh, any any other ones that uh, that stood out to you? Well, I just thought it was kind of interesting that um, you know a- Alabama was it? Yeah. Uh, they're not, not really under consideration. Maybe that's unfair to Mike Loxley, um, but you know. It's and then I and you could probably you could probably call Nick Saban the defensive mind on the opposite side, um, but I just I don't know it's, I don't know what to do with Alabama, um, Oklahoma you know Lincoln Riley obviously is worthwhile but I don't think that Stoops is is quite uh, not worthy of top five not worthy <laughs> I mean yeah like like are there games where Oklahoma's defense has helped them win. Yes. Is the defense any part of why you fear Oklahoma? No. Right. Um, I thought, what about this one? This was another one where, again, I, I the offense part kind of let me down here. How about Mark Rick and Manny Diaz? Yeah, but I, I don't know. When have I, I think Mark Rick is just always going to have a competent offense, but I've never been like a scared of a Mark Rick offense, right? Yeah. I, I, I can't I can't get there I can't get there with Mark Rick on that on that scale right Bobby Petruno and Brian Van Gorder well we've we've made, <laughs> we've made our thoughts uh, known on this one um, yeah I don't know I'm uh, I'm interested I'm interested to see uh, this when we've got Boston College on the road we talked about them earlier Steve Adazio is an offensive coach the new defensive coordinator after Don Brown left is a guy named Jim Reed and. I, I don't think Jim Reed has that kind of name recognition, but he's Boston College's defense has been good with him. Yeah. Not quite as spectacular as it was with Don Brown, but certainly hadn't taken a step back. Um and and they're just solid. But again, we're talking about the superstars. I'm just not yeah, not sure. Not sure you can throw them in that in that circulation just yet. Um you know, what there there's I don't know. There, there's like, I'm just looking at the list right now, like looking at the, the teams nationally. And, and what, what I'm curious about, and, and I'm going to ask it without having an answer to it, but like, you know, part of the Elko love on this podcast is like, I was, I, like, it was clear Elko was really good when he was at Wake. Um, and, and for, for whatever reason, like coaches don't really like to hire. And so I, I credited Brian Kelly for hiring a, uh, you know, not a name brand coordinator. And it, it turned out to be the right hire, uh, at least on the field. And in terms of, you know, he didn't keep him more than one year, but it, they got back in the win column. So I guess what I'm getting at is like, I wonder without having researched it and knowing the answer, like I'm trying to think who are the specific – we're like the group of five or or lower level power five coordinators that are the rising stars because those are the those really are the rising stars like if i'm if i'm starting a program or if i'm you know a, a new hire i'm not going hiring the biggest name because those guys are often overhyped and 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 are you know sometimes past their prime like i'm gonna find the guy that's dominating the the, the level of play he you know he's he's at and so I would be curious what the best duos are 
on that level as well, but I haven't not done the research. I can't say. Um, I don't know who North North Texas defensive coordinator is, but I, Seth Latrell <laughs> is getting mentioned a lot. Yeah. That's uh, that's it was, it was you know the the meme with uh, the guy with the girl who gets caught looking back at the other one who just walked by. Oh uh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, the girlfriend is Larry Fedora, the boy is Carolina fans, and the girl walking by is Seth Luttrell. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Ooh, There's a- look at North Texas go right there. You know, SMU hadn't hadn't done too well this year, but they hired a, a dude named Kevin Kane as their defensive coordinator who was at Northern Illinois, and Northern Illinois is always putting up good defenses. Damn. And now he's at SMU. Like, I'll be curious if, if SMU – starts improving defensively like that's the guy that like that that's that dude apparently was is who moved Sutton Smith over from running back or tight end or whatever he was playing over to defensive end he's been sacking people ever since by the way Sutton Smith's playing that horrible Florida State offensive line this weekend that's gonna be a sack fest I think that is uh I'm gonna take the under <laughs> Still feels like the right, the right play. I don't know what that number is, but under feels like the right. Oh, play. do you know what the number is? I, I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and tease this. Yeah, 41. I think it's 37. Is it 37? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you gotta love the ones in the 30s, man. No, it's Strong. 40. Oh no, it's 45. Definitely, definitely under. All right. Yeah, there you go. How many? How many points is either team going to score? That thing is going to be 17-10. Yeah. Feels like it. Yeah. You never know in Florida State. They're, they're doing like Oklahoma drills and stuff in practice right now, trying to get their mind right. Week four Oklahoma drills. That's yeah. What, that's, you know, <laughs> see what happens. Maybe that works. Well, what we need – hold on. The thing I love about Willie Taggart's voice is it's so Southern, but it's like almost soft-spoken, you know? It's almost, Yeah, it's, he like talks like he's like a little bit like shy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we just need to get our edge back. I don't know. I'll, I'll have it down by the end of the season. <laughs> well, I mean, I had Jimbo down. He put peanuts in the Coca Cola. It's a West, West Virginia delicacy. So I, I got to know my Florida State coaches. Um, all right. Make sure that you subscribe because the Locks podcast is coming out. The Locks podcast is our most successful podcast, and it's because you, the listeners, love it. And uh, if you're subscribed, guess what? It's free delivery and it costs nothing. So those are all the locks that are going to get you set for the weekend. That's coming up on Thursday. Uh, we will be recording in the morning before your Facebook show. Tell me, 11:30 Central Time. Yeah. 11.30 Central Time. So tune in to the Facebook show. Have your phone in hand so that the podcast pops up because you're subscribed to it. And then your whole Thursday and Friday will be set with all the picks and information that you need. Um, and then, uh, yeah, this it's, it's been a good week. Go back and listen to the week three recap and Stanford Steve if you have not yet. Um, and I think that's it. Follow him at Barton Simmons. Follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Barton, thank you very much. Deserve.